The State of Beer. My name is Chris Powers. I'm your co-host today. Hello, Chris Powers. Hello. I am uh, the co-owner of the Busy Bee Cafe, State of Beer Bottle Shop, Trophy Brewing Company, and to my left. Uh, My name is Les Stewart. I'm the uh, head brewer, (laughs) something like that, uh, over at Trophy. But uh, today, we are thrilled to have the guys from Mother Earth with us. Um, Mr. Josh Brewer, Mr. Travis Quinn, and Mr. Will Witt. Thanks for joining us, guys. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Excellent. Tell the folks at home a little bit about what you do. If you, we'll just go down the line. Yeah, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do there at Mother Earth. Who wants to start? I'll start. Yes. Uh, Volunteer. Brewer, and I'm the brewmaster for the last several years since mm-hmm. we've been open. Nice. Okay. Uh, my name is Travis Quinn. Uh, I've done a number of different functions at the brewery in my time there. Uh, my current title is a. Uh, Sales Ninja, which is a more fun way of saying director of sales. Um, and shorter. Always, you save on, save on typography. You know, I always love to throw that out. I put it on my business card, and I've had plenty of bars and restaurants that I've been into where folks have looked at me and said, dude, I don't remember what your name is, but I know that you're the sales ninja from Mother Earth. So it works out. There you go. Taking it to it. And this is Will Witt. I'm a triangle area sales guy from Mother Earth, and... I was uh, named after Weeping Willow Wit. Whoa! Wait a minute. <laughs> Prove that. Hmm. We're gonna have to get the wits on the phone. <laughs> we we need to confirm. Nor- time machine. Need to actually. confirm this. Well, let's For talk sure. a little bit about what we're sipping on yeah, today. What are we drinking. Uh, you new want to tell beer. us about it? New oh, beer. Whoa! New beer. What? And new, never before seen. I'm into this. It's not, e- not even out yet. Comes out in uh, about three weeks uh, at the brewery. This is um, what a treat. A beer called Snow Flurry. Juniper Rye IPA, uh, Ooh, around that's nice. six eight six nine. Awesome, that's Man. good. Yeah, that's totally. Oh, did you say six eight to six nine? I would have. Yeah. That's totally quenchable. I was. I came in here. It was. I was clearly exhausted. Been running the entire way from uh, Maywood all the way here. I don't know if you did. I run. Ran in my boots and boot boot running, run. and I took this right run. to the dome, and it just washed all all that away. I feel so much better now. <laughs> that is really good. It's, it's got yeah. a little spice to it. Exactly. It's it's Yeah, it's, it's I like that a lot. A little bit warm, a little bit earthy. It blends well with the hop flavors that are in the beer. You know, it'll be perfect uh, when you're sitting at home waiting for spring to roll around in the cold, cold winter months of North Carolina, which is really so cold. cold. That's a couple a, weeks. But yeah, that's good. <laughs> got enough spice to get all. you through the well, We might get some the snow. weather. Uh, we'll see about that. There's snow in your glass right now. So Is this going to be bottled or Flurry. just draft? This, this is a brand new. This is going to be a full-on uh, winter seasonal for us. It's the first time we've really done like a true winter seasonal. Uh, it's going to release uh, first week of December. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing the, the release at our brewery on December the 5th, and you'll start to see it trickling into the market uh, in the following week. Uh, we're planning to have it available hopefully, uh, hopefully through about mid-February or so, uh, assuming that people don't buy it up too quickly gotcha and formats which it might happen formats yeah this will be a uh, six pack uh, six pack bottles uh-huh. uh, it'll also be available at some of your favorite local watering holes uh, on draft as well very cool nice very cool. 
This um, is good. Yeah, yeah. Why? Well, curiously, just why bottles, no cans on this one? Is there a reason? Trent. All right. <laughs> yeah, get him in. There you go. Get in on this. We kind of we like to, we still like to make things up as we go from time to time, mm-hmm. and it just it just felt right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I can certainly understand. We that. haven't released the. You know, we've always had those four core brands, and you know, some seasonals, but we just decided put this in a twelve ounce bottle. Dig, cool. Pretty good looking twelve ounce bottles too. Yeah. True. So it's good. Have you guys ever yeah. done any other beers with rye? No. Huh. No. Huh. First rye beer. How about that? What? Did you any, any troubles? Any uh any tricky sticky? Nope. Nice. No what percentage? Sticky. Uh, no, you don't have to show that. Uh, it's like sixteen. Oh wow. That's, that's not insignificant. No. Nice. No. This uh, actually came from um our head distiller. Uh, it's a recipe from him. He is a home brewer. Oh, he, uh, are you talking about Big Shot? Big Shooter. Big, Big Shooter. Shooter. Yeah, Kevin Graham. Uh, he started. AKA he started and built the store and mm-hmm. all that. And he was working as a carpenter. Somebody met him at Lowe's and said, you know, interested in having a job at MEB. And he's like, oh yeah, sure. And I hired him and he started the store and and then built the store and then a (laughs) distiller that I had left and then he moved in that position and uh I've been trying to give the guys every now and again um a position to brew a three-barrel batch oh nice uh so like two years ago this was his recipe so this was in the tap room probably about two years ago he actually brewed this as one of our five-year when we did our five-year anniversary party at the brewery last year uh this was one of our we called them five beers for five years this was one of the pilot batches that came about uh to celebrate our five-year anniversary there nice that's right yeah that's that's cool he's what a cool guy thank you big shooter yeah yeah big shooter exactly (laughs) this one's for all else you do (laughs) for sure well the spirits hmm Let's talk a little bit about what's happening in beer these days. What's happening in beer these we, days? We touched a little bit about brewing and homebrewing and homebrewing on what scale, but have you guys seen those things, the countertop homebrew systems? What? I've have you seen, seen those things? I've seen a few like links to articles, but I haven't clicked on one yet. Les, this is something that you it wanted does, to you know, talk it about. Does, I, I, did, I did want to bring it up. I thought It's actually a trend. This is happening. Um, they started building these things several years ago, and you'd see them show up in um, not so much the, uh, the trade mags like... Um, a uh, new brewer, but you in would flight s- magazine. I was gonna say, yeah, Sky, Sky, Sky Mall. Mall. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like Brooks, yeah, exactly. This could be yours. So, to, when they started, they they weren't great. And what these basically are, they're microwaves that you put hops into into little containers, and you put your grain into, and then uh, through little automated whatever inside this thing they make beer and then put it into a corny keg that you connect onto with a quick disconnects really mm-hmm. so how much is it producing at a time i guess five gallon batches some uh, some are designed to produce two gallon batches some are designed to produce five gallon batches wow um when they started about three or four years ago to get to hit the market they they were they carried a price tag of something like two or three thousand mm-hmm. dollars um and that pretty much kept people away from them which is crazy um, but you know, so, so but what ended up happening is professional brewers bought them as um, as ways to quickly test uh, recipes. We did. Did you? No, <laughs> I did not. no. some professional brewers. Was that a question or a? a what? <laughs> um, some professional brewers did uh, 
and uh, and then some like swanky things. But the price tag has now dropped on that to the point that it's like three or four hundred or five hundred bucks. And now you see kind of regular home brewers opting instead of spending three or four hundred dollars on a rig and doing all that, they'll spend five hundred dollars on this fancy system that their wife will approve of that sits on the counter. And because we uh, all know that's really the defining factor by what you can and can't do in the house. That's. You know, that was, or husband, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you've you got to live with the people that you live with. Um, so Deep. Thanks. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> anyway, the uh, the question is, now having described this whole thing, uh, how do we feel about this? What do you think? Is it, a, Wasn't is it okay? Wasn't like Mr. Beer and Beer in a Bag easy enough? Apparently not. Apparently it wasn't but maybe shiny. It enough. wasn't shiny enough. It wasn't probably. shiny yeah. enough. It wasn't automated enough. Exactly. It There's looked too much like work a, little, into a little brown pig, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. The Mr. Beer Kid. The Mr. Yeah. Beer Kid. So the Pico Brew can brew 2.5 gallons at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the Pico Brew is the most popular version of this right now. This same company came up came out with a version earlier um, uh, that uh, the Zymergist or something like that, that kind of fell on its face, mostly, again, because of the price tag. But they're hitting the market again with this other device, and I don't know. I mean, it's I. I'm really curious about what the homebrew numbers are and the trajectory of like increased numbers of people homebrewing, and whether it's increasing at the same rate that it was, say, five or ten years ago. I think that's the big question. You know, the question that to me things kind of come back to is: Does this make craft beer as a whole more accessible to people who aren't already excited about it and if it does then then i'm all for it you know craft beer is in a renaissance right now the likes of which we've never seen in this country um but there are still people out there that view it as something that's you know it could be elitist or something that you know they don't understand and by having something that's accessible like that if it's going to get people excited about what beer is and what it has the potential to be I'm all for it. I want more people to have this idea that they could just walk into a bar and order what's on tap and know what they're getting into rather than to walk in and be intimidated by having a tap list that's got 40 or 50 or 60 beers on it. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you assume that all things are equal and we're we're continuing to expand at those same you know rates and people are Absolutely. continuing to be interested. That's my in sales guy perspective. I don't know how the brewer feels about it, but that's my sales guy perspective on well, it. Well, I mean, yeah. I've okay. got two things dreaming up right now. Uh-oh. Bring it. So You're going to get one now, aren't you? The next collab that we do is you and I, we do it on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like yeah. Yes. So you have one and I have one. <laughs> Pico Brew. And then I think Chris should open up a bar and there's like 50 of them on the back wall. We'll call it the Pico. Oh, I'm into that. Yeah. And you, and you can have choose. a card you can swipe. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I'm into that. Everybody gets to make their own brew. Everybody makes their own brew, and then the patrons come in and vote on which ones they like. So there's a voting. I like it. Well, there could be. I mean, there's a lot of different ways we could go with this. It might hurt some people's feelings. I don't know if we want to do that (laughs) since we just talked about how we're trying to make beer more accessible for people. But there's a lot of ways we could take this. I'm in. I'm I'm signing up. It's easy, apparently. It's just expensive. It's just expensive. I agree with Travis. I think that, that anything that we can do to make craft beer more accessible for people, that's great. I mean, it's totally different than traditional home brewing because, you know, traditional home brewing is great because you get to learn the process. You get to know usually by trial and error, and you learn a lot of hard lessons. You know, if your process isn't good, if, you're clean, if your uh, cleaning processes aren't good, then you're going you're gonna to suffer the consequences by not having beer. Yeah. Or good beer, rather. This kind of assumes that, you know, we're talking about 
somebody that's new to homebrewing is buying one of these things instead of sure. homebrewing. I, I wonder how many people are people that have now now that homebrewing has been a big thing for 15 years now. How many people homebrewed for a while, enjoyed it, kind of ran out of time as their professional life picked up. They moved from their 20s into their deep 30s into their early 40s, and then all of a sudden they've got more money, less time, and this is the this is what they go back to to kind of uh, continue with that hobby that they enjoyed so much. I wonder if that's that might be a I don't know. Did I make up a narrative there? No, I think that's a good question. <laughs> hey, if any of our listeners out there own a Pico Brew or one of those countertop brew systems, feel free to send us a message on Facebook or we Twitter. We want to hear your story. Yeah, we want to hear all about it. Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Mm. Depends on how technical you want to get, right? Mm. Exactly. I mean, that's what yeah. brew. I mean, you know, yeah, some people on the just. Kind of brewer you are. Right. Yeah, I mean, just some people want to stay as an extract brewer, and some like to tinker and make all the toys and do all grain and change all the temps. Yeah. It's just for the sake of why did I just buy a. $1,800 espresso machine when, you know, I could just turn on a Mr. Coffee and some of those people really enjoy to do that. Did I but see that? I you like just the got tinker. An and, yeah. <laughs> How is that espresso machine? The future is bright. Awesome. Awesome. I'm totally <laughs> Day of remembrance. I was saying that to my wife for like a month before it showed up. I'm like, it's coming. I'm, I'm tracking it on FedEx. That it's is coming. so awesome. I had one and it croaked and we spent about eight months of saving and one and trying to figure out exactly which one i wanted to get and i've been home roasting all my own beans for like the last five years oh i'm, I'm totally like okay, tapping you I know, when i i know the one i want enough. oh wow and she's like okay and it was like it's awesome I love it. no regrets warm. there's nothing no like regrets espresso, nope. man it'll make you it'll, it'll bring you through the afternoon exactly those are well, all, those are lost hours otherwise that's true <laughs> I, actually that's not necessarily true but it's on my on espresso the power well listen that's the beer trend for today. Let's get to know these guys a little bit better. <laughs> now that we've talked about everything else, but uh, uh, I got a question for you guys. Uh, we, we've known you guys all pretty much individually for six plus years now. Um, for folks that may not know you guys, can you tell us a little bit about the Mother Earth story and uh, how Mother Earth came about? And you know, absolutely. You, um, you know, it's it's a cool story. We uh, our owners are a couple of local guys. A guy named Stephen Hill and his son-in-law Trent Mooring. Uh, they were born in Kinston. They were raised in Kinston. Um, and over time, when they decided to start a brewery, they said, you know, it makes sense for us. Um, we don't want to be absentee owners. We don't want to open this brewery in another city somewhere. If we're going to open a brewery, we want to be a part of it. We want it to be a part of our community, the mm -hmm. fabric of the place that we live, uh, which is a big part of the reason why Mother Earth is located in Kinston. Um, a lot of people kind of know that portion of the story. Uh, one of the things that they don't realize uh, is what was really kind of the the straw that set everything in motion. Um, Stephen, uh, the father-in-law, um, likes to grow his own tomatoes every year. Tomatoes are one of his favorite things. Uh, so he grows his own organic tomatoes in his garden, um, and he likes to make what he calls red eyes, where he'll take a light-bodied base beer, um, and he'll mix it with his own fresh, homemade organic tomato juice, kind of okay. like a bloody beer. Uh, on paper, it kind of sounds gross. In practice, it's actually pretty good. It's something <laughs> for me that, you know, if I was headed over to Carter Friendly Stadium for a noon kickoff and I was going to start tailgating at 8 o'clock in the morning and needed a beer, it's the perfect place to start. Um, but they were they were serving some of these red eyes to friends one night, uh, and the response was universally positive. And they oh, said, wow. this is what we, sh you know, Stephen said, I want to start a brewery and make this beer and <laughs> and put it out to people. And Trent said, what a great idea. Um, so that was back in the summer of 2008. Mm -hmm. uh, early on in the process was when they hired 
uh, Josh, the brewmaster, um, and I think that some of his first thoughts were, uh, guys, you're going to need a lot more than this <laughs> tomato beer uh, to have a successful brewery long term. Um, I guess that's kind of where he came into the process. He was there earlier than I was and can probably provide a little bit more insight on uh, what came about in the planning stages and things from there. Did you think they were crazy when they said tomato beer to you? Uh, I think from a recipe formulation brewing <laughs> standpoint, I don't think much is crazy at this point. Nice. Uh, <laughs> depends on how regimented and traditional you are, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of our beers are like that. Some of them aren't. Obviously, um, homegrown is, is not, but uh, there was a lot of trial and error before I got to and where that is the name of the yeah beer yeah the homegrown is the, is the tomato it was about a five beer. year R and D process before that beer finally came to market and it's and even at market now it's only available for a very short window of the year at the brewery itself but nonetheless the dream was fulfilled the beer exists <laughs> the br- the brewery really at this point has fulfilled its mission and now we're able to have a new mission nice. Uh, but uh, that was a lot of fun. Pre you know? homegrown, post homegrown. Absolutely, and like it's been a lot of fun two, for us to you know to not only be a part of our our local community, uh, but also you know with a name like Mother Earth, environmental friendliness is something that we are are really really focused on. Mother Earth is not just a name; uh, it's something that we feel like we represent every single day. Um, we are one of the first lead gold certified production breweries in the United States, which is something that we're really proud of. Lead being uh, an organization uh, and a certification that's put together by the U.S. Green Building Council to certify green buildings and green organizations. Um, you know, our goal is to minimize our carbon footprint as much as possible because it's it's the responsible thing to do. You know, we're we're ultimately leaving this planet to the people that come behind us, and it's our responsibility to to conserve and to protect as much as we're able to do. And so we try to do that every single day with what we do uh, at the brewery as well. Yeah, you do that visibly uh, in some ways, right? At the, right at the brewery uh, with uh, solar panels and rainwater uh, and collection or water collection. Absolutely, uh, we've got six kilowatts worth of solar power. So our tap room is one hundred percent solar powered, twenty four seven. We also, we like you mentioned, the rainwater collection. We do collect as much rainwater as possible. We've got some garden space on the side that that we use as uh, we use that as irrigation for, uh, as well as using some of that water as gray water in our toilets and things uh, throughout the facility. Um, one of the cool things that's that's a little bit less visible is that within the walls, um, the insulation that we use to insulate the building is actually made out of recycled blue jean fibers. Um, oh, wow. Things that, uh, you know, it looks... From North Carolina? It's all like bell bottoms from the... Exactly. <laughs> bell, bell bottoms and jinkos. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it looks, you know, to, to look at it, it looks very similar to like the yellow stuff or the pink stuff that you would find in your attic. It's just got kind of a blue hue to it because it's all beautiful. like recycled denim, you know. Even the, the building itself, the building itself is a 1900s era building mm-hmm. uh, that had has been several different things over the course of its lifespan. And for us to kind of come in and be able to renovate that and turn it into the brewery is kind of the ultimate example of recycling. It's taking something old and making it new again, reusing it mm-hmm. and repurposing it and turning it into something new, giving it new life for not just for us, but for the community at large as well. Yeah, you guys, you guys have been really a, like a big catalyst for change down there in Kinston, you know, opening up and bringing a lot of attention to that that part of North Carolina and just bringing new energy and new people, uh, giving them another reason yeah. to travel to Kinston. Absolutely. Truly established uh, the, the fact that breweries can be 
part a, a significant part of an economic development strategy for revitalization of downtowns i mean that's you, you absolutely guys great, and certainly you guys example. are seeing that as well uh with trophy you know you guys have taken an entire neighborhood and and kind of become an anchor and a cornerstone for what's happening over on morgan street which mm -hmm. is which is really beautiful to see as well yeah 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 breweries have power that's very cool that's drink, right yeah drink, that was, drink more beer folks back to the building just because i think that's such a cool part of the story um it was a drive-through pharmacy <laughs> that's correct uh it was it was the first drive-through pharmacy in north carolina um and the cool thing is that uh when not people, just dri not like a window exactly they drove when people think the drive-through they think uh they think going through the taco bell drive-through at two in the morning but it's not like that at all the the building actually had a driveway through the building so that you would drive in through kind of a roll-up door and make this big sweeping left-hand turn throughout um, a great example is if you've ever been down to the Outer Banks and seen the brew-throughs down there where yeah. there are drive-through mm -hmm. beer stores, mm -hmm. it was kind of the same. Uh, the you're same concept. Looking at the, you're looking at right. the coolers, can see the. You just kind of pull up, and everything's available there, and you've got a, a gentleman who will come to the window and ask you what you need. So you know, it's a pharma drive-through pharmacy in the '50s. You could just drive right through and pick up your drugs, pick exactly. up your Valium and your cigarettes, yeah. and be on your way. That's right. Uh, <laughs> exactly. It was yeah, whatever probably a little bit of a, for the carbon monoxide poisoning you're getting. Right. It's there. you know. The, probably wasn't the most well thought through you know <laughs> catalytic converters in the 50s were pretty much non-existent i want to say that there was uh there was someone who worked there whose sole job was to go by and wipe all the black soot off of the pharmaceutical oh, bottles man. that were on the shelf and had to do that several <laughs> times a day just to try to keep it clean in there oh, so geez. you know one of those things that uh was a good idea on paper but the world might not have quite been ready for it uh in the 50s yeah i made yeah. beers that fit that description <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly so super cool uh you know now to bring it back uh to what's going on now i'd love to hear you know exactly about the system and uh share with it what it is now and uh what it was when you guys first started um well we've always been a 20 barrel brew house yeah um we started with five 40 barrel fermenters two 40 barrel bright tanks and have expanded it was only maybe two-ish years after that that we expanded to where we have uh 840 barrel fermenters wow. uh two of them um two more are 60 so we have 10 total in in fermentation space and then three 40 barrel bright tanks and two 60 barrel bright tanks wow so now those 60s do you do you do you brew three shifts to fill those or do you do two in one or uh still just about a shift and a half gotcha. uh, about 40 barrels is about nine and a half hours mm -hmm. and 60 is about 12 mm -hmm. uh so we have a, a separate whirlpool so it's basically, you know, back to back right. all day. Being able to move beer into another tank uh, obviously helps. Uh, hot and cold liquor tanks and stuff like that. So yeah. um, it makes it uh, a lot easier when you're not whirlpooling in a kettle at that point. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we thought at one point under our roof the facility would be, you know, 10, 11, 12,000 barrels. Uh, but I just came out with a, a, a plan outside that we would have a pad and outdoor fermenters and more oh. uh, bright space. Huh, is um, that going to require another uh, chiller? Or? Uh, yeah, it'll be its own standalone chiller, all its own gotcha. you know, piping and everything, uh, and then we'll just hard pipe outside um, from the brew house. Very cool. Uh, so it has enough space for uh, eight 100-barrel tanks. 
whether they're FEs or brights. Nice, nice. Wow. I, I, so. don't, I don't. I'm trying to remember if I've seen anybody go. I probably just missed it, but I haven't. I don't know if I've seen anybody go outside, uh, shy of the really big guys, uh, the the Sierra Nevadas and the. Oscar uh, Blues. Yeah. Oh, Oscar what is it? Great Divide? Was yeah, one great, of the great Divide yeah. is Denver is probably I mean, one of the best examples. And, you know, driving by that downtown, they kind of had to do what yeah. they had to do with their space. And they've got a number of, I don't know how big their tanks are, but they've got a number of fermenters and things that are positioned outside the building that are piped in, I think. Well, you got to be creative. That's awesome. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Hey, more Mother, more mother Earth beer, which I'm excited right. about. Right. Well, I mean, it's, we, you know, would ramming our heads against the wall trying to figure out where to stick you know this tank and that tank and whatever inside the space right when it's basically the same tank and all you do is you know clad the top and you know insulate and everything is really the only difference between you know an indoor tank and an out outdoor tank there you go thank you for like all yep well guys this is the <laughs> in the ever uh <laughs> Never-ending uh, pursuit to edify our listeners. So, yeah. We have Chris, a section of the show we like to call the Homebrew Hotline. And I have some music for you guys. Hold on. Just wait for it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to play. So you as the homebrewer <laughs> at home, you can send us your question. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to do our best to, to, to answer it for an you. an answer. Maybe not the answer. An answer. The Homebrew Hotline. All right. So this is, <laughs> this week it comes from our friend, at Ruckus Rob. He has a question for you guys. Excellent. You want to hear it? No. All right. Well, Ruckus Rob, <laughs> close your ears. Uh, I would like some help. Ruckus Rob asks, I would like some help clearing clearing up my homebrew. Are there any techniques or adjuncts that you would recommend? Clearing. Uh, so mm, he's man. having some clarity issues. Yeah. He's, well, and, and there's some clarity issues with the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can uh, we can address those. Um, so it kind of depends on where you're talking about clearing up your your homebrew, whether it is when it's coming into going into your fermenter, whether or not you're getting a you know a lot of uh, a lot of hop residue, a let's lot say of after coagulated. Oh, you think so? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's say yeah. Let's say talking about the final product, you're getting chill haze. Well, that could be a different thing also. But all right. There are plenty of products that are available to you <laughs> as a home brewer. Uh, the classic ones are um, during fermentation are Isinglass. You know, well, no, that, that's not after fermentation. What do, what do most people use home brew after? I've never used a. You can use Isinglass. You can use it at, in, during fermentation. I mean, towards the end of fermentation. Okay. You can. Ah, all right. Yeah, there and we go. In a bright tank. And in a bright tank. Well, in this case. Homebrewing, so let's let's dial it down for them. Carboy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rob. Here's the thing. I've noticed that a lot of homebrewers are using only one fermenter these days. Um, I suggest if you're having issues with clarity, the simplest thing to do is go go old school. Do a primary uh, fermentation and then move it into a second carboy, moving it off of that yeast, removing it from uh, the trube that has dropped out of the bottom, and really allowing you, you to, to kind of filter, I'm putting that in quotes, as you move it into that secondary um, that secondary carboy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to separate it from a lot of that junk that may be causing the problem for your beer. Um, that's an idea. What you got? Time and temp. Time and temp. Time and but temp. But I mean, that, that was never old school for me. That was like I always did that. Was I had primary five gallon carboy, and then I always racked to a secondary, even if I wasn't dry hopping or anything. Yeah. I wanted to get well, it I off mean, the exactly. Yeast. Not not. I mean, what I mean, I guess I meant like five years ago. I feel like 
Yeah, it's not old. When old you started homebrewing, I just feel like a lot of homebrewers are just doing just, uh, just single, single vessel fermentations now. Um, I think there was a lot of fear when I was homebrewing about uh, autolysis and uh, leaving the beer on the yeast too long and all these things. Um, and I think there's less fear about that now, so they just kind of continue on with uh, one fermentation vessel, which is which is ju- generally fine. But if you're having clarity issues, this is one thing that you can do that will, that may help. All right, all right. Or well, a little f- filter. You can always filter. You you could always filter. On That's a homebrew true. scale? You can filter yeah. on a homebrew scale. Yeah. Coffee filter? Uh, yeah. Like under the sink, like kitchen filter, like, you know, uh, oh, 12 yeah. inch housing and a paper yeah. filter, you know, small enough micron will clear it up. Yeah, absolutely. He's Yeah, so that's like a canister filter. Oh, okay, and, okay. and you just push the beer right through it. Uh, but you're losing, you're that's risking what we losing do with like 60 character. barrels. <laughs> we just have like 80 of them lined up. There you go. Exactly. I mean, it's not, not so different. You can also uh, purchase uh, wine filters. Uh, there are those type of paper filters that can be actually plate-like. Oh, yeah. That uh, you can you can jet through those guys as well. There's You've got some options if you want to try the filtration thing instead of the fining thing. Okay. Well, Ruckus Rob, I hope that answers your question. And if not, feel free to has, hit us up on Probably Facebook, didn't. Instagram, Sorry, or Rob. Twitter. We'll do our best to answer it a little bit better or to clarify. Or if you're a listener out there that clarify. may have a homebrew question. That's awesome. Yes. If you have any questions that you uh, might want answered by our panel of quote-unquote experts, we'll do our best <laughs> to come up with an answer to end that conversation. We are, you're listening to The State of Beer, and I'm ready for some music. How about you guys? Love oh, yeah. Good. Well, I got a song for you guys. This is the, uh, the well has not gone dry, my friends. This is a song called <laughs> Bar and the Beer. Wow, Bar and the Beer. Bar how, and the Beer. How did Google miss that one for so long? I cannot believe this. It took so long to get here. But this is a song by a band called White Buffalo. It's a song called Bar and Beer. You're listening to Right. That was a song called Bar and Beer by the, by the White Buffalo. That was White Buffalo. Last that is a brand new song, not a repeat, my friends. How about that? Download it on iTunes today. That's right. That's right. Pay for <laughs> it if you can find it. <laughs> well, hey. listen, it's that time of the show. It's time for some beer in the news. Les, you got right. some news for us. I, I've got a little news for you. This is kind of interesting for all those that are hopeful out there. For all those that have done the beer mile and have experienced the uh, the kind of the kind of success that we've seen, we we have a beer mile or even failure here in, or failure. It's true, exactly. Painful we have a beer failure. mile here in town uh, where um, we have lots of people from around town that participate. That in compete. In here's yes. the thing: none of these people have ever experienced endorsement for the beer mile. So uh, this is changing right now with uh, Mr. <laughs> Lewis Kent. He has been endorsed um, and uh, by a footwear company for winning and uh, being successful in the beer mile, I guess. Um, do you know what the beer mile is? I should explain. You should. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I shall. Then uh, it turns out the beer mile is, a, is you simply run a mile as fast as you can, but you have to drink a beer at every quarter mile point. It's a yeah. So it's a it's a combination of drinking and speed drink, speed racing and speed drinking. That sounds quite <laughs> aggressive. Typically, the race takes place on a standard four hundred meter track or quarter mile running track. Mm-hmm. So so basically, every lap every you lap take you a, take a beer like yeah. it's like a full pint. Yeah, twelve ounces dome. exactly. I mean, is it like oh yeah know, a pilsner or is it like imperial? I think it could be whatever you want. I think you get to choose. Mm-hmm. I think oh, yeah, fig exactly. and raisins. Are people shotgun. <laughs> 
I I I, uh, I can only imagine that they. Sh- I mean, what? How else would you do it? So I guess the objective here is really speed, which means you've it. got to really crush it so that you can continue on your next quarter mile. Is yeah, that it's. I mean, okay. So let's let's give credit to Mr. Lewis Kent. It turns out that he already he's he's 22 years old. He's on track team. He runs a mile in four minutes and 15 seconds. It took him only 36 seconds on top of this to knock out those four beers. Wow. So this guy is legit. He His parents must be very proud. Contract. Where does he, he live? Uh, <laughs> Colorado. Yeah. Let's go with that. He goes to ECU. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, Anyway. the Success uh, story. Oh, not, yeah. So, I mean, there, it's, it's incredible the, the excitement that's being built around beer miles mm-hmm. um in austin texas there's a beer mile that is uh that is uh sponsored by a another footwear company that has thrown two hundred and fifty thousand wow. dollars in in cash and otherwise other support other apparel support uh to you know to support this 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 event so it's a thing y'all i mean if you haven't seen run clubs around raleigh you know then you might not know but if you have then you know you know Absolutely. should this be a thing yeah, why not? Does, does it get more people excited about craft beer? If the answer is yes, he's for it. I'm all for it. I can. What if it gets more people excited about running? Then it's a double win. It's a win-win. Do you guys? Who's have to a... say they're even drinking craft beer? <laughs> it's probably uh, not what I would choose. It's true, but you know, I'd I do can't huge come up cans with... of Modelo Especial. That's what I'd use. <laughs> Um, all the beer miles that I know that happen from breweries, uh, happen from craft breweries. They have one at Big Balls, there's one at Tiernanog. So you think that's where it beer. started? I don't know if it's where it started, but I know that that's what's going on in Raleigh at least. Do you guys have a uh, a beer? Do you have a beer, beer mile? Beer mile? Have, no. We don't have a beer mile. That's a good idea. But you, we do you, have a uh, we have a run club uh, yeah. that departs from our brewery uh, every Tuesday afternoon. It usually this time of year it usually kind of tapers off a little bit because people start to hibernate a little bit it gets more. It's cold in North Carolina. That's sad but true. Well, everybody's getting ready for right. that three people, days. Of super cold. exactly. People up in the north laugh at us. Uh, we are. Uh, we have a nude sales rep. Uh, Did you say a nude sales rep? What? Well, yes. I don't, I don't know if she is or not right <laughs> oh, now. But, uh, but yeah, she uh, she just started on the western side of the state, and she moved down from uh, from Pennsylvania, and uh, she's she's mocking us right now because we're you know people are starting to break out their jackets a little bit and more. And their toboggans, right? She came from Erie, so she's right in the middle of the snow belt, and uh, she's like, it's like summer right now. Like I can't believe that it feels like this in November here. Yeah, welcome to North Carolina. Yeah, that's why I live here. Well, thanks for that little bit of news, Les. I got a, I got one piece of news for you. Uh, Cisco, the brewery. Uh, from Nantucket, started by an NC State alum, has decided to join the Craft Brew Alliance. Oh, CBA. CBA. Are, this, are, they, like member, are they member number four? They're number four. Member number four. Like that just happened today? Uh, that happened or recently? recently. It was, uh, I think it was the uh, beginning of the month. Um, but they are going to be participating in an, an alternating proprietorship. So they're going to be taking advantage of all the CBAs, um, all the things that they can get, in, uh, get at as far as like pricing breaks on raw ingredients um some of the state of state of the art equipment that they have at their fingertips and join the ranks of uh, people like kona brewing company and and some of those other folks it'll be interesting to see if we notice any changes in quality or like frequency that we're getting releases and things like that so is that the smallest that that, i mean looking at the other three in that in that collection that would be the smallest acquisition or yeah oh definitely because the other ones are are red hook and widmer uh kona and then Mm -hmm. cisco 
Huh. So did, 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 were there production uh, numbers for Sisyphus? The numbers curious. weren't. L- I didn't see the numbers just in the curious. article. Yeah. Um, but it's just something to uh, to keep an eye out. Hmm. Do we get yep. to talk about Ballast Point then? Yeah, we should talk about Ballast Point. Why, why don't you share that uh, piece <laughs> in the, of news with us for sure? Uh, one billion dollar sale yeah. from one uh, billion one dollars. Wow. Yeah, from there what? Uh, Corona Modelo. I think that's what Constellation. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Constellation Brands. That's correct. There you go. And there was yeah, and I know that there were, there are many craft beer enthusiasts out there that you know screamed out in in uh, heart. Yes, exactly. When uh, when this was announced earlier uh, earlier this week. Uh, Maybe last yeah, week. Or yeah. It, yeah, it so might have been. No, I think it was end of last week. But I've got some San Diego craft beer people that have owned some large companies that seem to be fairly saddened because yeah. it was kind of, you know, when they tested out a new piece of equipment or needed to know something from a craft beer standpoint, um, kind of went to them, mm-hmm. the owners, and uh, Yusuf... Uh, is part of the distillery there mm-hmm. uh, and was the brewmaster there, um, I think, was his title. And um, he was upset. Um, and so I think now what the ne- the next biggest in line is Green Flash. Is Carry, carrying owned. Alpine behind uh-huh. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in right. tow, closely in tow. Yeah, so closely in tow they don't even use different bottles. That's right. Which is bizarre but to me. What? How could that be an accident? Maybe it wasn't. Talking maybe, to the mic. Maybe it was not an accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe it was not an accident. But I did think that those were interesting with the green flash bottles. Yeah. Didn't I, Ballast Point say they were going to go public? A they did ago? like about a month ago. Yeah, they it wasn't said that, that long ago that they were, oh, yeah, they were I recall their that IPO. Now. And I, I assume that that's now off the table given that the sale has happened. Yeah. I have no idea. I haven't really oh. heard anything more about that. It's... This is kind of a tough thing, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, beer, beer is a business and it's something that, you know, for a lot of these guys, if, if you got into it at 25 or 30 years old and you had invested, you know, a big portion of your life into it, uh, you know, if it were me and somebody walked up and said, I'll give you a billion dollars, um, you know, I have no idea what I would do. I, you know, I'd like to think that I'd be able to continue fighting for the little guy because at one time we were all that. Um, but when somebody starts throwing those kind of numbers around, it's it's hard to walk away from. I think. Yeah, yeah. and and it's hard to it's 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 a little bit harder to fault the folks at Ballast Point. They never have said they weren't ever going to do that, uh, as opposed to the Tony McGee's out there. Yeah, right. <laughs> Zing. Uh, but um, you know, it is what it is. It's a lot of money. Let me give you a little information on the on, on Ballast Point. So they are on pace this year to sell two uh, or sell four million cases in cali- calendar year 2015, which would represent a hundred percent growth versus calendar year 2014. So that is just within one year. So they actually are in 30 states. They have 500 employees, and let's see, volume growth between 2012 and 2014 was only was about 80 percent. So these guys are monsters. They were obviously on track to do more and I think they sort of saw this sculpting train jumped on it with grapefruit sculpting and you know the rumor is that they're going to do a whole bunch of different fruit flavor sculpins in the next two mm-hmm. years so well and they have what cocktails and cans cocktails now. and cans oh, yeah. oh god Coke, I forgot about the cocktails and cans yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah homegrown inspired those I'm sure yeah. we'll take credit for that if you want to give it to yeah <laughs> so that'll be interesting I think that this is going to be uh, one of those things that you're going to start to see happen more often four guys splitting one billion dollars 
I can't be mad at him. That's crazy. Well, listen, we got these guys in the room. Let's uh, let's find out a little bit more before we have to wrap up. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so you guys are in town for your annual sneak peek of Silent Night at the Busy Bee. Tell us a little bit about uh, this batch and uh, how it differs from last year. or Tell us more about the beer. It's a uh, white barrel-aged lager. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. 2.7%. Um, <laughs> it's good uh, for running. Silent Night, uh, from a style standpoint, is uh, an imperial stout um, brewed with coffee from Counterculture. We uh, collaborate with them. Does that change uh, every year? Uh, the origin of the coffee does. Okay. Okay. Well, what's this year's? Um, yeah, I, he doesn't want to tell you that. That's yeah, that so when you get oh, so we get to busy bee information. <laughs> yeah, when gotcha. you get to busy bee, you can um, counterculture people will be there and you can ask them. I cool. think it uh, might be a blend of hologram and something oh. else. Oh, but basically, cool. uh, Lydia that works there, um, I'll get with her. Um, which seems like a weird time in the middle of summer just because there's months and months of <clears throat> barrel aging and, yeah. and a couple of But they of know what's coming down the line. Um, but, yeah. yeah. But I always seem to forget because it always feels weird to do uh, Silent Night that's a winter seasonal in the middle of summer. But right. that's when I – so Until anyways. the sales guy freaks out and is like, this beer's not going to be ready on time. <laughs> yeah. So she sends me a bunch of origins. I take them home, run them through my AeroPress in the morning. I'll blend some of them. And then figure out what the best blend is, and then that'll be the Silent Night blend, and uh, cool. that's what I'll use um, for these. Uh, we in the last few years we've always done two forty barrel batches in sixty barrel tanks. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a huge amount of blow off. So right. when we did them in forty barrels and in forty barrel tanks, we must have had like five barrels on the floor. Right. Wow. Because uh, we have a, a molasses also goes in it, so there's more ingredients in there even in the kettle when we add molasses to it and things mm-hmm. like that so aggressive fermentation um and then it's very aggressive so um we've kind of honed that down to get the best yield that we can at this point and then obviously there's a loss of going into the barrels and coming out of them and things like that so it's um but it's a a fun beer it's had a huge following yeah, it's an incredible i remember beer. maybe like three or four years ago um, opening up the tap room doors and there was like there was like a couple of people in like the breezeway of the front door of the tap room and I remember going out there and I like look left it, you know just see what was going on look right and there was like 60 people in line I'm like wow you've we got to be kidding back me. and not quite prepared for no. the brush that happened I couldn't believe that there was day. like people waiting in line you know for this beer and this is a beer that started out on the pilot system. So when we first started out, we had a one-barrel pilot system. Now we have a three mm-hmm. that we've grown into. Uh, and it's just been one of those beers that have taken off for us. And uh, it's in a 750 cork and cage format. And nice. Lots of six stills and a little amount of half barrels. Most of those are kept for us. But um, and you guys, would are- we do 5,500 bottles this year? Ooh. I know we did about... 400 cases that's a lot of math right now yeah it's about, i think it was about 5,000 bottles flurry. wow so and you guys are getting ready to release this at the tap room in kinston that's correct yep. we do uh is that every, saturday that's right this saturday oh. we started doing that uh each year it's the saturday before thanksgiving uh we have a big we call it silent night day uh <laughs> where we we do you know silent night day exactly <laughs> silent night day it's <laughs> like day. an oxymoron but 
yeah, I don't know where I was going. With Loud that. selling that day. Exactly. Um, but it's a lot of fun for us. We'll usually pull out some vintage batches. This year, uh, we're going to have uh, vintage batches back to 2012 on tap so that you'll be able to try a four-year vertical what? silent night on tap at the brewery. Um, the, the great folks from Counterculture are going to be down that day. They'll be pulling espresso shots uh, that are free of charge with the silent night coffee blend while supplies last. They'll cool. Be Fantastic. Oh, Absolutely. So the same cool. blend that's in the yeah. beer. Absolutely. That's be great to be able to try the coffee shots, alongside the beer. Uh, and one of our own, our uh, our controller Brad Smith, uh, who is a a fine hog cook himself, uh, he'll be cooking a pig out back, uh, and we'll be selling barbecue sandwiches to raise money for the Smart Kinston Foundation, which is a, an arts foundation, an arts district uh, locally in Kinston, uh, that will be contributing 100% of the proceeds from the the pig sales too. So nice, really really excited about Silent Night Day. It's a lot of fun for us every single year. The bottles will be available for purchase for the first time, um, and we invite everybody to come down. We always have a big time uh, on Silent Night Day. That's a, and it starts at what time on Saturday? We'll be opening up at one o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, you know we'll be there. We'll be there until people are are done drinking, or until two a.m. Whichever happens first. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the counterculture folks will be there from one to five, pulling espresso shots uh, while supplies last. Uh, and same with the pig. We'll start selling barbecue sandwiches at one o'clock, and those will be available while supplies last as well. That's awesome. I started a drink that was a snifter of Silent Night and a shot. Of the espresso. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty good. And what do you call this drink? <laughs> yep. Call that heart attack? Uh, heart. There heart. it is. The not-so-silent night. The not-so-silent mm-hmm. night. That sounds awesome. Well, listen. Calendar. calendar you ready for time. it? time, yeah. I'm going to break down it. the calendar yeah, real quick. So tonight, we have the Mother Earth preview happening at the Busy Bee, and that starts at 6. So if you're around, come check it out. Uh, Josh, Travis, and Will are going to be over there sharing some samples. We also have a vintage 2013 Silent Night on Which draft. Which is fantastic. I know I'm biased, but <laughs> just trust me on this one. <laughs> it's going to be good, and it's not going to last long, so do yourself a favor and get over there. Um, this Saturday, we have the air support uh, benefit for Little Rally Radio over at Big Boss. It's Super uh, excited about that. Collaboration it's beer that we brewed with our friends really over there. It turned out so well. I'm so excited to be supporting Little, uh, Little Rally Radio with the beer. So. We're, we're also going to be there doing a live state of beer. Is that on one of those Pico systems, or yep. that was like a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No. it's actually twelve so Pico systems right together. Man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just, it's a so room full of Pico freaks. So. And that's really that's it. Oh, and then we have the Mother Earth, uh, the Mother Earth Silent Night release also on Saturday happening mm-hmm. in Kinston at one p.m. And then we have uh, in January we're going to be having a, a beer dinner with the folks from Mother Earth too. So keep that Ooh. on the radar. And that's at the Busy Bee Cafe. That's all I got. Guys, thanks a lot for being on the show today. Thank thanks you. so much for having show. We yeah, really appreciate you guys, guys coming. Thanks for, thanks for rocking it for Raleigh. Hey, hey we're happy to. Guys. As long as you guys keep making great beer, we're, we're, we're going to keep serving we'll it. We'll do our best. <laughs> well, coming up next, we have Keith Ward from Intro. You guys want to say anything uh, to the listeners out there? It's my mom, Les's uh, wife, and uh, my girlfriend. <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, ladies. Come drink well, y'all. Great collaboration and celebration. Big Boss Brewing.